Welcome to Our Lord's Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit OLCC.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at OLCCOKC. Good morning. I really do consider it a great honor to be able to share the Word of God with you all this morning. And I'm grateful to Brock to give me this chance to open the Scriptures and to share some things that God's put on my heart. During worship, my mind was flooded with Scripture. So I'm going to try to stick to my notes. But I may completely depart from my notes. But probably for your sake, it's better that if I try to at least start out following an outline. I'm going to speak this morning on a very simple topic. It's very basic and elemental to the Christian life, and it's three reasons to read the Scriptures. I chose this topic because God has been doing a work in my heart over the last year and a half, really especially since January. In January, I get my iPad out in a, in a quiet time with the Lord, and I wrote down a prayer. And what I've, I've made it the practice now to start itemizing my prayers. I just I write a line on, a, on some index paper, um, a template on my iPad, I date it, and then I write the request. And then I go back periodically and, and able to go back and reflect on those. What happens often, and this has been happening probably for my entire walk with the Lord, is I pray prayers and I forget I ever prayed them. And so it's really encouraging to go back and look and see a prayer I prayed and then see a fulfillment. And so I just check it. And so all the prayers I've been praying since I started keeping this list, almost all of them have been fulfilled. And there are some that are, that are still pending. Um, but I know God will answer. Um, so one of the prayers I prayed was that God would give me a renewed hunger for his word and for prayer. And I prayed that back in January, and I forgot it like most of my prayers. And then I went back probably in uh, March, middle of March, and, and was going through this. I went, oh, my goodness, God answered this prayer because I've had a voracious appetite for the word of God since, since the new year started. The, the other reason I wanted to share this, and I wanted to encourage you, if you pray a similar prayer, I have a feeling that God will answer that prayer if you pray it sincerely. Um, I'm also convicted um, that as we talk about revival, talk about spiritual awakening in our country, that it needs to be bathed in the Holy Scriptures. Um, any revival in our land that I believe is sustainable has to be revival, not only of the tangible, experiential presence of God, but also of his holy scriptures, of his written word. So I believe if we want to see healthy, sustainable revival, it has to be um, rooted in the person of Jesus and in his written word. I'm going to talk a little bit about this later, but I read 2 Kings 22 recently, and this is the story, you're maybe familiar with it, of King Josiah, who at age eight uh, took over the, the reign of Judah. And at age 20, he was, he was given a prophetic declaration, a prophetic word. It's, it's listed in the Chronicles. And the Lord said, Josiah, take, go into the temple and take the written, take the Torah and the law and record it. Record a copy, a manuscript for yourself and keep it with you and keep it with you day and night and reflect upon this and live your life according to it. And if you do, it will go well for you and the nation. And at age 20 is when Josiah began to purge the nation of Israel from the detestable idolatry that had crept into their nation. And then at age 26, Josiah 
sent one of his servants into the temple to, to oversee the rebuilding and the, re, the reconstruction, remodeling of the temple, which had fallen into disrepair. And when his assistant went into the temple, he found the high priest, and the, the high priest said, we have found the, we found the book of the law. And he took it back to Josiah, and Josiah read the book of the law. And when he did, he tore his robes, and he wept for all to hear. And then he took the book of the law, and he read it to the nation of Judah. And he recommitted his commitment and his pledge to the covenant that God had pledged between himself and his people. And the, the nation followed Josiah. I believe that our nation needs revival. It is our only hope. It is our only hope. Brock has mentioned this several times. There is no hope in any political system. There is no hope in any person. There is one hope in the Lord God. And without him, we are in trouble. So I have three purposes this morning. I, I, my purpose, number one, is that if you're a new believer, that you would understand the supreme importance of reading and applying the Word of God. Secondly, that those who have neglected the Scriptures, like the nation of Judah and King Josiah, would make a course correction. And that those of you who read the Scripture and who have been committed to the Scriptures would persist because there's going to be great resistance to reading and believing and applying the Word of God in the coming days. Um, so I just want to encourage you to continue. I want to preface this entire talk with something I've wrestled with over the years, and it's that this idea that we can't divorce the written Word of God from the incarnate Word of God. When Melissa and I were first married, I was reading the one-year Bible one morning, and I, I got up, and it, was, it had become a habit. And as I was reading the Word of God, I was thinking the fact, I have reordered my entire life because of this book. And it had only been a few years since I'd become a believer, maybe five or six years. And I was just reflecting, my life is very different because I read this book. And then this idea came into my mind, and it was, what if this book is not real? I'd already read that once, but I began to think, what if this book is just a collection of of myths. And I meditated on that a little bit too long. And I went to work that morning, and this doubt and unbelief began creeping into my soul. And by evening, I was in a complete crisis. And I was, I remember we were living on the south side, and I was driving down Western, and I thought, if I don't have a standard that's God's standard, there is nothing to keep me from doing the worst atrocity. And um, I came back, and I was really in a, in a place of distress. And I remember Melissa was cooking dinner. And I sat there, and I was just in anguish, and I prayed, oh, God, what do I do here? And out of nowhere, a still small voice said, I am the Word. I went, Where did that come from? And I realized it was John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so I realized you cannot separate the person of Jesus from his written Word and when you re receive revelation like that, sometimes you can't even explain it, articulate it with, with human words. But I knew in my heart that, that this was his word. So we can't divorce it from the person of Jesus. And Jesus addressed this in John 5, 9, 539. He said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. That's what Jesus said to the religious leaders. But then again, he said... 
over in Matthew 22, 29, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power. Can't divorce the written word from the incarnate God. So I just want to, I want to preface that with this. So let's jump in. Um, first reason to read the scriptures is be built up. It may be. Oh, thank you. I thought I was going to have to silence some kind of a mocker up there in the audience. <laughs> read the scriptures to be built up. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. A well-known passage of scripture, God has given us this book to be built up. I mean, a great word is the, is the word edified, It's because it, it includes so many different um, aspects of being built up. My bookmark is disintegrating as I speak here. Um, so, this Word of God, it's, God, it's one of the means He has given us to build us up. When we read the Scriptures with faith, and we have to preface that with faith, they'll revive us and encourage us. Let's look at Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Psalm 119.52. I remember you, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. One of my favorite things to do is to talk about a friend of mine who I've never met. is George Mueller. Some of you may know who George Mueller is. He was a Prussian missionary. He was born in 1805 and died in 1898. Um, he, before he was converted and became a follower of Jesus, he was known as a liar and a thief. But he was converted and chose to be a missionary, and he went to England in the mid-1800s. When he was in, in England, when he was in the city, he noticed the destitute orphans that were running the streets with no one to care for them. And it was during a time of, of um, a plague, um, of an, an outbreak of a disease, and so nobody wanted to even touch the orphans. There were, there were bodies lying in the streets, but George Mueller began to take these orphans into his home and care for them. And over the course of George Mueller's life, he cared for over 10,000 orphans. And he built five huge orphan houses in Bristol. When he died, there was a funeral procession that lasted uh, for many hours. And I believe even some of the monarchs came forward and acknowledged George Mueller. What George Mueller was known for is a man of incredible faith. And he saw many miraculous answers to prayer. They say that he had over 50,000 prayers documented in his prayer journal when he died in all but three had been answered, and those three were for the salvation of three friends of his, and they were saved after he died. What George Mueller was also known for was he was a man com completely committed to the Bible. This is uh, George Mueller here um, in his study. At age 70, George Mueller said that he had read the Bible from cover to cover over 100 times, and he lived to be in his 90s. So how many times did he read the Bible? Um, he was a man that was committed to the Bible and prayer. And, this is, uh, and, and what he said was, he came to the Lord every morning in the Scriptures to get his soul in a happy state. His daily routine started with getting dressed, going into his study, and pouring over the Scriptures and meditating on them until breakfast. Let's look at what George Mueller said. I saw more clearly than ever that the first 
and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get, how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. I went accordingly to my room and locked the door, and putting the Bible on a chair, I went down on my knees at the chair. There I remained for several hours in prayer and meditation over the Word of God, and I can tell you that I learned more in those three hours which I spent in this way than I had learned for many months previously. So if you want to, um, to be built up, encouraged, strengthened, renewed, we need to read the Scriptures, like George Mueller. The second reason to read the Scriptures is to stand against the enemy. We have an enemy that wants to destroy our lives. He wants to destroy our faith. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. His strategy is deception. Satan is a liar. Um, John 8.44 tells us this. And his goal is to tempt us like he did Jesus in the wilderness. And he's also intent on on causing us to become captive to deceptive philosophies, like Paul talked about in Colossians 2.8. They hold us captive. And so God's given us an offensive weapon to battle the lies of the enemy. Ephesians 6.17. Let's go ahead and go to that verse. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Matthew 4.4, this is when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. If you remember, he fasted. And the evil one came and tempted him in several different ways. And every time Jesus came with Scripture, it is written, it is written, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So as we learn God's truth, we can fight these targeted attacks of the evil one. We have to systematically read the Bible. But I believe we also need an arsenal of memorized verses that we can defeat the enemy with. Because he's coming at us with targeted attacks. We need to respond with targeted um, response. Around uh, 2009, I was coming back from work. I worked at Crossing Christian School. It was a time, a season of, of great difficulty. Um, I, was, I felt I was pressed in from every side. Um, I was under great stress and, and anxiety. And I remember coming home from work one afternoon. I was driving down Broadway Extension, or uh, Lake After Parkway, probably just a mile from here. And, and I was overcome with anguish. I was ready just to throw in the towel and quit. Um, and as I crossed, I mean, I just remember this like it was yesterday. I crossed the bridge right in front of Red Rock. Is that, I think that's, is that Britain? And um, I crossed that bridge, and I said, God, I'm under such pressure. Just poured out my heart, and then out of nowhere, a verse, like a bolt of lightning, hit me in my mind. And it was, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we even despaired of life. Indeed, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, I had memorized that verse years before, but that verse came as a direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, it encouraged me. It kept me from quitting my job. It kept me from disliking the people that were confronting me. And it sustained me. And that happens all the time. It happens all the time to me. All the time. So we have an enemy that really wants to kill us. 
And one way that God has given us to fight that enemy is to memorize Scripture and to recall that Scripture and then to recite it out loud. And it takes an act of the will sometimes in faith just to, just to counteract, just like Jesus did. It is written. It is written. It is written. So the third reason to read the Scriptures is to be transformed. When we're born again, we're justified, which is a theological term for just being made right with God. We are legally right in the presence of God, right standing. But there's also a process that begins to take place on the day that we are born again of sanctification, and that's being transformed into the image of Jesus, being changed and transformed. In Galatians 4.19, Paul said, until Christ is formed in you. It's a process that we have to participate with. The Holy Spirit's working inside of us. And, and it's a really, it, sometimes it's hard to reconcile where our effort begins and ends and where the sovereignty of God um, falls in that process. Um, I know I, I read Wayne Grudem's systematic theology on this issue years ago, and, and he, the way he described it was God's sovereignty is a large circle, and somewhere in the circle is our will. And somehow, um, they work in concert, but God is sovereign, so he carries out the process. But if you look at the entire, uh, the entire story of redemption, the entire counsel of Scripture, man is given responsibility to act and make decisions. And a primary means of renewing our minds and being sanctified is renewal of the mind through the Word of God. And let's, let's look at Romans 12 too. Many of you know this passage by heart. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of the mind is a process of aligning our thinking with the truth of God's Word. It's replacing deeply embedded thinking patterns that are false and erroneous and keep us captive with the truth of God's Word. The, the thoughts that we believe are critical to the direction of our life and the outcome of our life because our thoughts will affect our emotions and our emotions will often affect our behavior. So if we are serious about following Jesus and becoming like him, we have to renew our minds with the word of God. You know, Paul described this, these, these bad mental networks as tearing down strongholds talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10.4, and he's given us tools to do that. It doesn't happen by accident, though. We have to be really intentional about renewing our mind. I really appreciate this verse in 1 Peter 2. Paul, or Peter said, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And the spiritual milk he's talking about is the Word of God. Crave it. So we need to read, we need to study, we need to memorize, we need to meditate on, and listen to the Bible. I'm going to share a couple of testimonies here, and I, I got permission to share these because they've, they've really encouraged me over the years. Um, one is by a lady named Dr. Mary Poplin, not Poppins, but Poplin. Um, about 2008, uh, nine, I was given a book by somebody named Dallas Caldwell. He was the headmaster at, at Oklahoma Christian School, and I was over at Crossing and said, you've got to really read this book. It's called Finding Calcutta by this professor at Claremont Graduate University, and she worked with Mother Teresa, and you'll love the book. So I, I read the book, and, and I don't read, I'm a really slow reader, and I don't read books very quickly, but I read this one really fast. And I thought, I would love to meet this lady. And, um, 
So I Googled her, and it pulled up her bio, and it said she was born in Wichita Falls, Texas. And I went, I'm from Wichita Falls, Texas. So I emailed her, and she said, yes, I'm from Wichita Falls. I grew up there. I moved to California. And I just happen to be in Wichita Falls right now, and I'd like to meet you. So I've been able, I was able to meet her. So I went back the next week to go meet with Dallas Caldwell. And I said, hey, Dallas, I got something really interesting to tell you. Because he asked me if I read the book. And, and typically, if somebody says, did you read the book? I kind of hem and haw, and I said, well, I've started. And uh, I said, not only have I read the book, but I, I met the author. And he goes, well, I have something better. He goes, I met the author, too, and she's coming next week to lead our school in a professional development workshop. And I was, I was kind of deflated because I thought that I had really one-upped Dallas. And um, so our two schools came together, and she shared her testimony. And something she said in her testimony, which was wonderful, of course, she's around this big group, a mixed audience, and she, she starts to share her testimony. And she said, I'm going to kind of fill you guys out a little bit before breakfast or before lunch, and after lunch, I might share other aspects of my testimony that are a little more controversial. Um, it, it addressed her deliverance. But one of the things she said, um, what she, just, she shared her testimony. I'll, I'll share, you, share how she went through this renewal of the mind, but to give you a little um, bio of who she is. She's currently a professor, a full professor at Claremont Graduate University. It's in California. She taught alongside the famous management consultant, Peter Drucker. So just if you know who he is, she was a highly esteemed professor. She was the, um, the dean or the, the uh, head of the School of Education at Claremont. And during the 70s, when she um, began her, her academic, academic career, she plunged into Eastern thought. She became a radical feminist. She got into Buddhist meditation. She um, got into critical theory, which is based on Marxism. She got into transcendental meditation. She got into the New Age. And she said within just a few weeks of jumping into psychic phenomena, she was able to bend spoons, which in California, she said, was a religion in itself. Um, she plunged into alcohol and drugs and all kinds of immorality. And if you were in Mrs. Poplin's class, Dr. Poplin's class, she would not let you use the name of Jesus in, as a reference or a citation. You could use Marx or you could use Mao, but you could not use the name of Jesus. So she was very um, antagonistic towards the gospel. And I won't share her testimony, but if you want to hear it, um, you can go to YouTube and punch in the radical conversion of Mary Poplin. It's, it's wonderful. I listened to it this morning. Um, but she met the Lord through a, a series of divine encounters. And when she met the Lord, she said that her mind was completely um, distorted. And so what she had to do to pursue Jesus was she had to completely stop all forms of entertainment that, can, that reinforced all of her bad thinking. So she just basically cut out TV, movies, and all of that. And she plunged into the scriptures. She committed herself to reading the scriptures. And one of the things that she did that I thought was so interesting is she said she took a spiral notebook out and she began copying by hand, manuscript style, the entire New Testament. Word for word. She started with one book and then went to the next and the next. And I don't know how you really describe this besides just the way she did, but she said as she would write out the scriptures, she could physically feel her mind being renewed. She could feel neurological things happening in her brain as she would write out the scriptures. And so through the renewal of the mind and through deliverance and, and other means, Mary Poplin has become a strong intellectual force for Christianity. Um, and she still 
at Claremont Graduate University. I believe she, she lost her position of leadership because of her faith in Jesus, but because of her tenure, she was able to maintain her job. So um, I've always been encouraged with that, and I've tried that. Now, I can only make it through about two chapters of any book, and then I go on to the next method of renewal of the mind. Um, the other testimony I want to share is of somebody here in Oklahoma City who you may be familiar with. His name is Steve Trice. He's a local businessman. He accepted Christ, and despite believing, he was, uh, he was consumed with anxiety and depression. And at a Christian uh, businessmen's committee or um, CBMC meeting, um, he was confronted by two Christian men. And those men asked Steve what he was doing for breakfast one morning. And Steve said, probably sleeping. And I think they, um, they, they challenged Steve to meet with him one-on-one. And one of these men began taking scriptures and having him memorize scriptures that targeted the areas of his greatest vulnerabilities, areas that they knew that if he didn't get these things under control, it would take him out in the next few months, his marriage, his family, his business. And so Steve started meeting with these men weekly and memorizing and meditating on scripture. Well, I met with Steve about a year ago, and I didn't even know why I was really supposed to meet with him. I just, I felt that I needed to meet with Steve Trice. I'd heard some wonderful things about him. I I kind of knew him loosely, and um, I asked if I could meet with him, and his assistant said, well, it's going to be months away. His schedule's booked, and um, we, he was able to have a cancellation, and I met him, and when we met, I said, Steve, I don't know why I'm even even meeting with you, but I just, I feel like there's something you need to pass on to me, and and so he told it, he shared his testimony, and through that he said, Al, I can't even spell the word depression all these years later. He said, God completely delivered me from depression by renewing the mind and restoring my soul through the scriptures. I have a very similar testimony. Um, I don't know if, the, if John or Jan Bingham are here this morning. I don't see him this morning. Um, back in 91, I met John Bingham, and I'd been a believer um, just a couple of years, and um, as John described to some other people, he said Al was barely functioning as a human being. Now, I heard that personally. He said that in, in my presence. I didn't appreciate it very much because I thought higher of myself than that, but it was probably true. And, um, and so I really needed the renewal of the mind. So I told Johnny, I said, I, I want to read the scriptures. I just have a hard time staying with a, a plan or anything. And so I remember after lunch, we met down at the Boulevard Cafeteria downtown, and then he took me to Mardell on Northwest Expressway and bought me a one-year Bible. And, as, and, and he said, just, you just read it. It's divided into an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and a Proverb. It's divided by date, and so all you have to do is open it up and read it. Um, I was about 24 at the time, and so I took that one-year Bible, took it back to my desk, and I, every morning began getting up with a highlighter and just reading the selections for the day. And it was really hard to, to delve into the Old Testament. I didn't have any historical background for the Old Testament, but over a period of time, it became a habit. And as I read more and more of the Old Testament, it it began to make sense. As I read the New Testament, the Old Testament informed my understanding of the New Testament, and it became, it's become a lifelong habit. And so, I can't even begin to tell you how God has renewed my mind as a result of just learning the Scriptures, recalling the Scriptures, meditating on the Scriptures. Um, it has, it's had circumstances. I, I remember I was exposed to some, some teaching that played to my bent towards legalism, 
And, and I really became very, um, I would just say hung up and, and, and very legalistic for a season of time. And I had to get in the book of Galatians. And I had to memorize the entire chapter of Galatians 5 and recite it daily, 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 over and over. The Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And I memorized the entire chapter. And after I did that, I went on and I was able to memorize Ephesians 2. Ephesians 4. And then I met a lady, and um, she had been at Dallas Theological Seminary, and, and uh, she came to our school to teach. And she said, really, when I, I learned most of the Bible, it was when I was a busy house, housewife and mother. I didn't have time for Bible study. I didn't have time to go meet with other ladies. And as I was doing the laundry, I began meditating on Scripture and memorizing it. She memorized like a hundred and something chapters of the Bible. And she said, I have no um, great memory. I just meditated on them. And so it inspired me. And so I was able to, to memorize the entire book of 1 Peter. And I tell you, God uses that book of 1 Peter over and over and over to encourage my soul. It's, it, it's really renewed my mind and changed me in so many ways. I've also been able to, um, I, I learned the topical memory system from the navigators. I learned the, the first set and then the second set with is, is the life issues. And, um, and then I went with David Lightfoot. I mean, I had so many wonderful mentors over the years. David Lightfoot, who many of you know, got me started on John Piper's fighter verses. And so over the years, this, this constant meditation and memorization of Scripture, it has really changed me. I can't even imagine the kind of person I would be and the kind of thinking I'd be captive to if I had not memorized and meditated on Scriptures. Um, so in conclusion, I just wanted to... Um, to share, kind of come back to the story of Josiah. So when he was encouraged in this prophetic utterance to copy the Scriptures, take a manuscript of the Scriptures and keep it with him day and night, apparently he didn't do it. Because when you see him come back at age 26 and the Scriptures have been found in the temple, he tore his robes and wept. Just through deductive reasoning, you have to conclude that perhaps... Josiah didn't copy down the scriptures and keep them with him because they sounded like they had not only had been lost in the temple, but lost perhaps in his own practice. So there is there's some application for this. I mean, this is just, if we don't apply this, it's, it's really not worth our time. So I want to I call us this morning to one of three things. The first, if we're a believer and we have neglected the scriptures, that we repent. And repent is just doing a 180. It's turning away from something that displeases the Lord and turning to the Lord. That's what repentance is. And as, as Brock has gone through the letters to the churches and in um, the book of Revelation, there's so many of those admonitions. Repent, repent, repent. And so if you, you've been neglecting the Word of God, just to repent and turn and to make a course correction. And the second is, for those of us who desire to read the Scriptures, to, to make a commitment to do it daily, to do it daily. I've, I've loved watching The Chosen. Has anybody seen The Chosen in here? It's a mini-series. You can find it on through the, the, uh, the Chosen app. I, I loved last week, or two weeks ago, when Jesus went into the synagogue with John, and he said, John, which, which passage should I read? And uh, 
and they look at look at the Torah, and it's it's encased in this um, this wooden frame, and and uh, and I'm probably gonna get the dialogue wrong, but John said, "I don't I don't know Jesus. Which one?" And he says, "Jesus said, I, I love them all." And uh, it just so encouraged me that that Jesus loves his book. He lo- he loves his book. Um, and Jesus spent time daily with the Lord. And in Mark one thirty five, it said, very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place and prayed. Jesus had, off, had probably been to the Torah school where he had learned the scriptures. Peter had learned the scriptures. All these people had had to learn the scriptures. And they would pray the scriptures and they would recite the scriptures. But it has to be a daily commitment. And I don't want to be legalistic about this. But there's something unique about getting up in the morning early and giving Jesus the first fruits of your day. Before your mind is cluttered with all of the activities of the day, before your mind is cluttered with the, the struggles you've gone through. And um, what George, I read George Mueller's um, his, his writings on quiet time yesterday. It was really neat. He, he wrote a letter to Hudson Taylor, and he, he was you know, admonishing him and, and encouraging him to to get up early. And he said, you know, the first few days it may be really hard. He said, but as you go to bed at a regular time every night and try to get up at the same time, your body begins to become adjusted to, um, to early rising. And there's something about early rising that's really important. Um, I just, I've noticed now that when I come home from work, there's just, I can't open the Bible up. I don't have the mental capacity. I'm, just, I'm drained. I just don't have anything left to... To, uh, to really use, to, to read, and really study the Word of God. To schedule a daily time, it's important to have a plan. I mean, I, I've really appreciated the one-year Bible. Now, I've started the one-year Bible and stopped it in Leviticus probably 25 times. Um, and if anybody's ever done it, you just, it, I mean, it's wonderful. You start in, in, in one, and then you start out in Matthew, and you get going, and then you hit Leviticus. And I did it again this year, and I tried to make it through by going to the when your Bible audio version on Audible, and then made it a little bit farther into Leviticus, and then I quit and started. But I've, I've quit so many Bible plans, and I've purchased so many Bibles. It, it's really probably a very unhealthy habit, but I just consider it channeled in the right direction. Um, but what I haven't ever stopped doing is I've, I'm always committed to something, and it's reading the Word of God, whatever plan I use. Um, so yesterday I started the one-year Bible again, and I've already quit it. Um, so I think God wanted me to read the story of Samson. And so I read uh, Judges. And I'm probably going to do something else tomorrow morning. Um, but it's important to have a plan. So don't really follow my lead as far as I have so many different ways I, I do this. But if you really want to get started and you want the easiest entry point into regularly reading the Word of God, I would encourage you to go to the Internet and punch in 5 by 5 by 5 reading plan. It's the Navigator reading plan. You read through the entire New Testament in one year. It's one chapter a day for five days a week, and then you have two days off. So if you miss one, you can catch up. And just to go through there, read your passage, jot down some notes in a journal, and pray. And you can, it's an easy entrance point. But there are so many ways. I've really discovered listening to the Bible. You know, this, this book was, a, was a, an oral, an oral um, teaching for so many years. And so there's, there's great... Refer, um, resources to, to listen to the Bible on, on YouTube, on uh, version. And then if you want to memorize, 
I would encourage you to go to either the App Store and get TMS, Topical Memory System. You can go to Mardell and get the little paper cards. But it's really important. And I think the TMS cards are some of the best because it takes you through probably, it just gives you an arsenal, a quiver of, um, of great verses. And then to meditate. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who does not, blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Everything he does prospers. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we need to meditate on these words. Just take them and just think through them. And I, I, I heard the testimony of Hubert Mitchell, who was with Youth for Christ, and this must have been back in the 60s or 70s. And he said he was in India as a missionary. And he, he was sitting in a road somewhere in, in one of the big cities waiting for his wife to come out of a store. And he saw this cow come by. And the cow was chewing its cud. And, and he began to notice because his wife was kind of delayed in the store. And the, the, the cow would chew the greens, swallow them, and then bring them up and chew on them some more. And he began to clock it with his watch. And it was like clockwork. It was every 30 seconds he would chew, swallow, bring them up, and then chew. And Hubert Mitchell used that as an analogy to talk about this, this meditation on the Word of God, to chewing on it, to thinking about it. And so we need to meditate. And then finally, to believe. This book has some very difficult things to understand and to believe. But until we believe them, and act on them, there's no power. The power comes when we act upon what we've read and believe it. James said, don't merely listen to the word, but do what it says. So, I could really talk on this for hours. I mean, I really could talk on this for hours. As I was, I've got to share one more passage because it's just, as I was sitting there, I was just Thanking, thanking the Lord for his word. This, this is so precious to us. It's like treasure. It's like hidden gold. And as I was sitting there thinking about God's precious word, I remembered a passage that I love, and I hadn't thought about it in some time. So I'm going to finish with this one. Then I'm going to let Wallace come up and lead us in some ministry time. This is in Luke. This is in Luke 24. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, about the, the death of Jesus. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one 
who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. Now, can you imagine this? When I watched the, the, the Chosen, I began to get a real personal feel for what this could be like. They came and told us that they had seen vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are, slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as, it, as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. When he was at the table, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Can you imagine And then he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, and this is what I love, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to have Wallace come up here and and lead us in a ministry time. We come to you, God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the prophets, the God of John the Baptist, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We recognize your written word, and we worship the incarnate word of Jesus. Open our eyes so we may see wonderful things in your law, and may our hearts burn as we read your scriptures. Amen.